So you always want to be prepared to... To set goals. To be really disruptive. Diversity is fundamental. It is just trusting those super strengths. To recover from those failures and, and learn from them. Humility looks like the softest word, but it's kind of the hardest. We ourselves are in beta mode. Life goes on. Sporting Edge, inside the mind of champions. Welcome to the Inside the Mind of Champions podcast. My name is Jeremy Snape. I'm a former England cricketer with a master's degree in sports psychology. Since retiring, I've been fortunate to work with and interview some of the world's most successful thinkers and performers. And I'm passionate about translating their habits and routines into practical strategies to help you become more successful. In each episode, I'll be dissecting a common performance challenge to help you improve your mindset, your leadership and your team performance. To me, our mindset is the next frontier. So let's find out why. Hello, and I can't believe another week has flown by. I hope you enjoyed that simple reminder last week when we're procrastinating to start small by breaking down the task into its component parts or breaking the time down to that five minute starting point. I've actually used that technique myself a couple of times this week, so I know it works. I'm sure I join many people in sending love and support across to the communities affected by the terrible earthquake in Turkey and Syria. It's absolutely heartbreaking to see both the harrowing impact it's had on the individuals and families, but also the sheer scale of the disaster. I only hope that the aid can get through as swiftly as possible and our thoughts are with everyone whose family and friends are affected. Well, I hope you're well wherever you're listening in from and I'd love to get a sense for how your 2023 is going. How are your personal plans developing? How are your business plans developing? I've been designing loads of webinars and facilitated events for leadership groups in lots of businesses over the last few weeks. And there seems to be a real hunger to embed some of those proactive well-being strategies that are going to help us to avoid burnout and those cultural elements like purpose, innovation and creating that learning culture into the system and into our culture of our teams to help us to accelerate through the year. I've picked up a real sense that these used to be nice to have, but now everyone's realising that these human elements are so fundamental to making sure that we can create a healthy, happy and successful and sustainable workplace because the uncertainty and the pressure and that crave for quick financial fixes just won't last. So a massive thank you to you for listening to the show. I think we're trying to unearth some of these human uh, psychological elements, the leadership strategies and the culture that's going to take our businesses forward. So my five-star review shout-out this week goes to Jonty, who said that this is first choice podcast for a mindfulness workout. He said this podcast has become a, a regular accompaniment to my walks when working from home, and Jeremy weaves together a unique combination of sporting and business insights, which always resonate and make me think about how to do things 1% better. He clearly has a brilliant black book of contacts, and the speak, speaker selection is second to none. Keep talking, Jeremy. Well, I will definitely try. 
Uh, and actually, you're a gentleman and a creep, John T. But if you drop me a note through to hello at sportingedge.com, then I'll give you a free pass to our members club. Because if you think the podcast is good, then you won't believe that resource that's waiting for you. And your timing's perfect because not only will you get access to all the insights and the weekly challenges and micro courses that are in there to accelerate your confidence and career, but you'll also be in time for the next masterclass event, this live Q&A with Langley Sharp from the military who's going to be sharing the lessons, the leadership lessons from his stellar career uh, back with our audience. So that's something to look forward to. So remember, if you want to join our membership, you can sign up via sportingedge.com and then forward slash membership. There's absolutely no pressure to stay. But the members that have stayed have absolutely loved it. We've got 90% engagement rate with our content. We send out a weekly challenge and there's some brilliant debates going on around that at the moment. And um, you'll know that we don't pack this podcast full of adverts about what you should eat, wear or invest in. So we're really just trying to encourage you to go and take a look at sportingedge.com, the members club. And if you do want to go for it, then use the code podcast100 at the checkout. Uh, There's no need to put your credit card details in and you'll get a free first month and you absolutely will not regret it. It'd be great to have you on board in our members community. So without any further waffle from me, let's meet today's mastermind guest. She's an Olympic gold and bronze medalist, a respected hockey captain, an inspirational role model for the LGBTQ community and beyond. Here's a taste of what's coming up. When I was growing up, uh, as a young girl, there weren't that many opportunities, if any, to be a professional sportswoman. I think the mental side of performance is uh, the difference between the, the kind of good players and exceptional. Every night after a game, when I'm going to sleep, I will be running through the mistakes that I've made in that game. Every single one, clear as day in my mind, I'll be replaying it. They're the real key ones for me. In the GB hockey team, we talk about super strengths. And for me, they are the foundation of your self-confidence and self-esteem. When we've been given that ownership, when we've been given that responsibility, it really bonded us together as a group of women. It is, of course, Kate Richardson-Walsh, OBE, the former captain of the gold medal winning GB women's hockey team. Kate had a stellar sporting career with 375 appearances for a country 19 medals and 49 goals. In the two decades of her career, the rise of women's sport has been brilliant to see. And there's no doubt that Kate has been a trailblazer and inspired so many for their future careers. I was really interested to wind back the clock to see who the young Kate would have seen as female role models back then in the late 80s and early 90s. When I was growing up, uh, as a young girl, there weren't that many opportunities, if any, to be a professional sportswoman. Um, as maybe Wimbledon, there'd be a few tennis players out there. Um, Martina Navratilova, I'm showing my age now. Um, Steffi Graf, um, Monica Seles. You'd look at them and go, okay, wow, they're you know they're really doing this as a full time job. I remember when the Olympics came around, Sally Gunnell was someone that I really looked at and was like, oh, I want to be like her. Um, but there weren't that many, many out there. And I think, you know, it's getting better. Um, and I think there's now lots of different sporting role models for young girls out there. I think we, we can be more visible and we can do more to, to get those female role models out there um, to show young girls that this can be you. 
um, and it can be any of you. I think that's the the point. But probably the biggest role model for me was my mom. Um, just in terms of the way she she lived her life and continues to live her life, she's ambitious and she's driven, and she's not ashamed about that. And uh, she really goes for her dreams, and she's really empowered myself and my sister to to follow our dreams. And if that means moving to a foreign country, if it means you know doing something difficult, challenging yourself, taking yourself out of your comfort zone, it's worth it because it's taking you towards you know the place that you want to be as a person. So. Um, I'd say my mom probably first and foremost. What a brilliant combination, having the inspirational stars from the sporting arena on TV igniting that passion in you, but also having that close proximity to an everyday role model with Kate's mum. And she clearly was learning huge amounts by seeing her mum navigate the everyday challenges of life. And I think we sometimes forget that as, as adults and parents that we're always influencing people. We just need to recognise whether that influencing is influencing them for the better or not. At the age of 11, Kate joined Didsbury Grey's Hockey Club in Manchester, followed by Hightown Hockey Club. Then she was selected to play for the under-16s Great Britain team when she was just 14. So she clearly had an amazing gift and that ambition for making the game a career. In fact, it took her just nine years to go from starting hockey at her school, aged just 11, to playing for her country at the Sydney Olympic Games. Can you believe that? It must have been such an amazing learning curve for her. And I think this provides so much motivation for us today. Alongside her athletic ability, I was interested to see how important she thought the mental game was not only to herself, but also her peers that reach the very top of their sport. I think the mental side of performance is uh, the difference between the, the kind of good players and good teams and exceptional and consistently exceptional. I think um, I've seen lots and lots of talented players in terms of skill level not quite make it because mentally they're unable to cope with you know, the pressures or dealing with um, failures or you know just the stresses of being an elite performer so for me it's the it's the difference. So if mindset is the difference between being good and being consistently great why aren't we spending more time and energy focusing on it? I know I'm preaching to the converted with you because you're listening to the show and we all see the value in investing in our mindset but I've been networking with some experts and psychologists in the United States recently and it seems like their culture is much more positive towards this idea of personal development and doing that inner work. I think elite sport is definitely more receptive here than it was a decade ago. But I think wider society and the business community could find so many transformational insights if they were more open and curious to this concept of developing our mindset and spending more time thinking about how we think. Well, this is definitely a life's quest trying to find out the answers to some of these psychological questions because I'm fascinated by it. And I know that through my cricketing career and post-sport career that my mindset's been the biggest determinant of whether I sit back in safety or have the courage, focus and resilience to go for my goals and try and smash it out of the park. Kate played at the top for well over a decade, so I was keen to learn her insights on how we can play to our strengths 
and adapt to a change in circumstances when we lose our confidence. I think the mindset of the, the very best performers that I've seen and I think when I've been really, you know, working on, on full power I've had, it's probably the knowing themselves very, very well. Being able to hold up a mirror to themselves and say, look, this is what I am like at my very best and this is what I'm like at my very worst. And it being able to share that with other people and understand what the triggers are when you start spiralling into maybe a, a poor performance or a, a negative spell uh, and being able to pull that back. Um, and also, particularly from a team context, you know, how you fit in as an individual into that group setting, going towards that, that um, group vision. I think that's, they're the real key ones for me. In the GB hockey team, we talk about super strengths. And for me, they are the foundation of your self-confidence and self-esteem. If you have those super strengths really inbuilt in you and you know what they are, you can turn to them in your hours of need. And uh, a few months before the Olympic Games, I was in Rio, I was really struggling for form. I was had a bit of an injury. And, and it was those super strengths that I turned to. Okay, what can I do when I'm... I'm not playing very well, I'm really fighting to find that form. Okay, well I can pass the ball really hard, fairly accurately most of the time. I can mark and I can, and I can tackle really well and I can organise and see the game. And actually that last one means that I'm focused and mindful and present in the game. I'm not thinking about that mistake that I just made or that tackle that I didn't quite make. So I would just go back to those three things and um, one of the gems that my wife Helen would say to me is make the form come to you. And um, it is just trusting those super strengths. And over time, I think I do believe that the form will come back to you. This mature ability to reflect and develop self-awareness is one of the key attributes of the high performers we've interviewed. We can't be amazing at everything. So we need to understand what our vulnerabilities are and maybe try and minimise those both for our own career and for the sake of our team but also our rivals are studying them, so we may as well mitigate the risk and try and neutralise that threat. Then we've got those competencies or those engineered strengths that we've just developed. They're solid, they don't fill us with joy, but they're things that we've become good at as part of our job. I know leaving sport and moving into the office, you know, lots of computer software programmes, you know, you get decent at using them. But actually, that's not a strength of mine. So finally, we get to those super strengths that Kate spoke so eloquently about. And that's reflecting on what makes you unique. Um, you know, when you do these things, you seem to be way better than everybody else. You seem to have more energy. They come naturally to you and they take your contribution to the team to a completely new level. When we lose our confidence, it's easy to fall back into the trap of scrutinising and worrying about our weaknesses and vulnerabilities, or maybe spending too long in those safe, engineered strengths. But what we've got to do is go back to our signature strengths, because that's what allows us to enjoy our work again. We're passionate about them. That's where we get our energy from. And that's where we can see the biggest difference that our hard work and effort makes. So maybe have a think about what your super strengths are, maybe what those engineered strengths are and think about how you can delegate those or spend less time on them. And then be careful about how much time you're getting drained and focused by your weaknesses and catastrophizing about all the things that could go wrong. 
If they make you or your team vulnerable, that's fine. We need to neutralize those and build our skills to the point where we're no longer a sort of a weak point. But then we need to spend more of our energy on our strengths and then really invest in those so that we can get that passion and that energy and that uh, impact back that we need. Another key strategy that people in sport and business need is that ability to stay in control in the flow of the game when the pressure starts to rise and that ability to recover quickly after a mistake or setback. Kate now shares some of the strategies that she's used to stay in emotional control when the stakes get high. It's actually took me a little while to, to think about how I got over mistakes and it's something that at the beginning of my career I really struggled with. Uh, and I worked hard with psychologists at the time that we had in the team and tried some strategies, you know, such as, you know, uh, maybe gripping my stick extra hard after I've made it to, to bring my awareness back to the moment. Um, some of the goalkeepers, you know, threw their bottle behind the goal after they'd made it, if a goal had gone in, to try and throw the mistake away. There's kind of lots of techniques like that. But I found the thing that worked for me over time was having immediate focus on the very next thing. So... If I've mistrapped an easy pass and the ball's bobbled over my stick, which happened quite a number of times, my coach will tell you, and went off the sideline, instead of cursing myself and wasting a bit, a few seconds, vital seconds, being inside myself, I would immediately go and face the sideline. And, you know, if that meant looking like a bit of a wally sometimes because the opposition were taking a long time to, to come up and take it, I didn't care because I was ready and focused on the next action. Uh, and I think it took a while for that to take hold, but I think over time it became a really good strategy for me to, to just completely stay in the moment. Of course, sometimes I slipped. Sometimes I wouldn't be able to get it back so quickly. But as long as you're aware and you know what the triggers are that you are slipping, I think you can get back to that mindfulness as soon as possible. In sport, these high-pressure situations can distract you away from the present moment and they become incredibly dangerous. They hijack you into predicting what might happen in the future. What might the papers say if we lose? What will my boss do if this project isn't done effectively? Does this mistake mean that it's the end of my career? How will I cope with the shame? You can hear that inner voice going off on a rant. And while your brain's whirring away trying to imagine all those terrible things and your eyes have glazed over in a stupor, that's when someone runs around you in a circle and scores. It's like you weren't even there. Well, your brain wasn't. It was already predicting the consequence of failure. You may have the same in a dialogue if you're approaching a big exam, approaching your driving test or a presentation for your business. Instead of, of worrying about the rejection and humiliation that could happen, we need to switch our focus onto the preparation and focus of what we need to do to prevent it from happening. As Kate explains, it's a combination of psychological and physical habits that she was able to practice until they became effective. This is why sport's so character building. You can't just hide, you have to get up and go again. And it's that ability to keep coming back for more that eventually teaches you that none of it really matters. The only thing that really matters is that you regret not giving it your all when you had the chance. So Kate's mantra of looking for the next job was a psychological cue. And then she had those physical cues of grabbing the stick a bit harder or the keeper throwing away the water bottle like throwing away a mistake. 
It's about finding a trigger that works for you in your context. We should probably have a health and safety warning, actually, that if anyone's listening in the office that's tempted to snap the phone in half after a dodgy client interaction or throw their protein shake at the office door after the boss walks through it, we should probably have a sense check. Maybe having a next call cue or leaving the desk for a stretch and to come back after an angry client call would be a, a better solution. There are so many stresses in the world at the moment that are out of our control. And when we strip everything back, that's why these stoic skills, these, these physiological sort of Zen and, and yoga type skills of controlling our mind, controlling our breathing, they are so powerful because ultimately we need our mind to be where we are at the moment, where our feet are. That's what's so important. If you're on the phone and your brain's already thinking about tomorrow's headlines, you've lost that ability to make an impact in the moment. So we've got to think about winning that next 60 seconds. This game of pressure distracting you and you pulling your focus back to the moment might sound very zen, but it's one of the biggest determinants of your success. So we all need to develop it by reframing the way we react to these stressful situations. So these really simple counting techniques, focusing techniques or you know breathing techniques actually help us to reframe things in the moment. But what about when we have one of those real stinkers, those mistakes that does have consequences for ourselves and our team? Kate's very open and honest about her setbacks and her coping strategies again. And she now shows her mental strength and resilience to these situations. Setbacks are obviously, they occur regularly, they occur often. Sometimes they're minute and seemingly unnoticeable to the outside world. Uh, and sometimes they're huge. Um, and I think... I think I probably dealt with them all in a, in a different way, but I, I do think that I would just focus on that as a, as a moment in time and focus on that rather than it affecting my whole uh, self-esteem and self-confidence. It would, it would just be about that small moment of time. And I would, every night after a game, when I'm going to sleep, I will be running through the mistakes that I've made in that game, every single one clear as day in my mind I'll be replaying it and I won't be replaying it to kick myself and say you're rubbish I'll be replaying it to almost reset it and what would I do next time and then almost see me doing it well so I would play the error and then play it doing, doing it well in my head and then that would be done with once I'd done that that was me kind of getting over those kind of small ones the bigger the bigger setbacks, are, I think, are, are more difficult to get over, but I think it is breaking those things down, again, into bite-sized, manageable things. Um, resilience is obviously talked about a lot in sport and in business, and, and I believe it's not something that you are born with necessarily. I think it can be developed, and I think it can be strengthened, and I think everybody has the ability to be resilient. I think it's just giving everybody the tools to be resilient. Everyone has the ability to be resilient. We just need the right tools. That's such a great outlook that you're not born resilient. In fact, we need trauma and adversity to create the resilience. It's like that old quote, ships are safe in the harbour, but that's not really what ships were built for. We need to get out there into the waves and the storms to see what we're made of. And after processing those turbulent emotions and setbacks, we actually become battle-hardened 
and our capacity to endure even more disappointment and adversity in the future increases. Martin Seligman's a pioneer of the field of positive psychology and he found that the most resilient people do what Kate was speaking about. They don't allow a setback to define who they are forever. They're not a failure. They failed in a specific task at a specific time and they can learn to overcome that and learn to grow and never do it again. This ability to shine a spotlight on the error and own the specific things that we can control is another transformational skill. Our mindset is at its best when we see these setbacks as moments of learning and growth to catapult us forwards and upwards to new levels of performance and possibility, rather than being a trap that keep us in that treacle of regret and self-pity that we can't escape from. Sport always gives us another chance, another game, another season. So we need to try and replicate that in our lives and in our careers so that we get used to dusting ourselves down and looking for that next opportunity, that next relationship, that next presentation and embrace it with that increased awareness and wisdom that we've got from those past mistakes and failures. That's where the fun is and that's where we become proud of ourselves just like Kate, for getting back into the game after a painful setback. Having individuals test themselves out in the currents and riptides is what galvanises high-performing teams. And as Kate now shares, an experience which their coach, Danny Kerry, arranged, formed a resilience reference point that they later be so thankful for. I've been hugely fortunate to do the sport that I love as a full-time job. And so you don't want to be going on about, oh, it's really hard and my body hurts because you're really lucky. Um, but I think those moments of being pushed to your absolute limit, I think physically, if you're pushed to that limit, mentally you are as well. And at that point is where you really see people at their base level. And I think that's where you can, you really find uh, the team come together. So I think then you see the real test of the culture. So Danny in 2010, I think it was, before London, took us to the Royal Marines um, and we spent three days, it felt like three years, uh, with the Royal Marines and it was, it was amazing. I can say that now. At the time, I absolutely hated it and um, they put us through our paces and it was, it was incredibly, incredibly hard. Um, but we drew on that as a team. A few months after that, we had a Champions Trophy, which is top six teams in the world and... You know, historically we hadn't done very well, we'd either finished sixth or fifth. Uh, and we were playing against China, important game, if we won this game, we'd be into the medal playoffs. And um, I think we were 1-0 down at half-time, I remember it was raining, it was in Nottingham. And we came into the huddle after half-time we said, look, we've been through much harder than this. We're not tired, we're nowhere near tired physically, and we're much fitter than them, and mentally we're stronger because of what we've been through at the Marines. And we absolutely went for it in that second half, won that game and went on to win our first world level medal, bronze medal at the Champions Trophy. So we absolutely did draw on those moments of, of physical and mental fatigue. Um, there are many, many um, examples that I can give you where it, it, really, it really showed itself to its best. I think one of my fondest memories, the last training session we had before the London Olympic Games, it was on the pitch, so we were allowed to secretly train on there. 
uh, and it was the whole squad. So bearing in mind only half of a, of a training squad will get selected. Those girls that hadn't been selected were there training and it was the hardest session I've had to do on a hockey pitch. I think Danny called it a break in reality, which sounds hideous and it was hideous. You basically didn't know when it was going to end. And okay, you know, for those of us selected and going to Olympics, okay, we've been selected, this is going to be hard, but we need to do it to go to the Olympic Games. For those girls who weren't selected, to, to give all of themselves, to be absolutely fatigued to the point they had nothing left, for the good of those girls that were going to the Olympic Games is, is beyond anything I can put into words. That is the strength of the team. Because if you have people doing that, then you're gonna, it's going to stand you in good stead, I believe, over a long period of time. Well, the good news is that you don't have to train with the Royal Marines to leverage adversity. We've all experienced shit times in our lives. People letting us down, bereavement, lost deals, rejection, injury and criticism. That's par for the course when you're outside the safety of the harbour. Reflecting on those moments reminds us that we've come through these tough times before and that if we can just process the setback effectively, then we can become stronger and wiser in the future. High-performing teams like the one Kate led share this belief, but they don't just react to setbacks and mistakes. They actually crave them. It might sound strange, but one of the ways we can create a team that responds and reacts in unison under pressure is by having learned and navigated these pressure, curveballs and these uncertain moments together in the past. Instinct and, and quick decision making and it, making it look easy, I think, is the holy grail of, of any you know, athlete's career. They want to be in that place where, you know, as a, the hockey ball seems massive and you've got hours to pick your pass and the passing channels seem like massive, massive oceans. Um, but I think it takes time and being in lots of different situations and scenarios playing out those situation scenarios live and then addressing them and reviewing them and going at them again and, and looking at them in different ways and with different people and under different stresses. So are you fatigued? Uh, is the space bigger? Is the space smaller? Are there you know, more opposition than on your team? Are there more people on your team than the opposition? Lots of different scenarios. You know, you're two goals up, you're two goals down. Everything you can think of, think, throw it at players and get them to just make decisions and you'll get failure, you'll get mistakes. I made millions, but it's only from, I think, being in those situations and making those mistakes do you eventually learn, okay, I've been here, somewhere in there, it'll hold in there. I've been here, I know what to do in this scenario. And I think actually in Rio as a team, it's the most mindful we've been because we were, it felt like for the first time maybe ever, we were on the same page for most, almost all moments of all of those eight games in 14 days, which is hugely rare. But I think it's because of the training that we've done in the build-up to that, of all those scenarios and situations with uh, Danny. Kate described the way her gold medal winning team played with one mind, with one response when the situation changed. Now, this is the end result of months of investment, of discussion, of planning and reviewing together. It's in untangling the messiness together that the simplicity and unity emerges. 
I think it's fair to say that for most corporate clients that I'm supporting at the moment, the ocean's not been a particularly calm place and their plan A might have been lost overboard some months back. But by pressure testing and simulating different scenarios, they're starting to develop a series of plans which the team can respond to with increased confidence when conditions change. Everyone is experiencing challenge and change in every industry at the moment. So our new competitive advantage is how quickly we can learn and adapt as a team. Faced with choppy waters, many leaders feel like they need to grab the steering wheel and, you know, put the sails up all by themselves. But as Kate now explains, being able to trust and empower the team to define and execute the vision and tactics is a key step in getting that ownership and buy-in that all great teams have. I've been in squads when coaches have, have, have empowered the squad and I've been in squads where coaches have almost handed you the vision and you know the, the behaviours that underpin that. And, and I know for a fact that having that ownership and having that responsibility to formulate who you are going to be as a squad, what your footprint's going to be, I think you then, you, you absolutely take responsibility for it. If you've, if you've come up with it and you're prepared to own it, then you've got to do it every day. And if you as an individual aren't going to be prepared to do that, then the person sitting next to you is certainly not. And, and so I think it, it, it just felt positive and a driving force. And it felt that it was constantly growing and evolving, but we were all doing it in the same direction. I think if it's, if it's handed down to you, I think it can sometimes be a bit disparate and uh, people become just individuals uh, and not as a collective. So I, I felt that when, you have, when we've been given that ownership, when we've been given that responsibility, it really bonded us together as a group of women. Kate's talking us through a journey of maturation and development there. So if you're a coach or a boss just moving from a top-down directive culture to one where the team is left to define the strategy, it might be a step too far. But as the team starts to take more responsibility, we can offer more autonomy. And as it grows in expertise and wisdom, we can ask more questions rather than giving the answers and direction. This is the process of a leader stepping back and creating a more sustainable and inclusive model of decision-making but it relies in having thoughtful and disciplined players like Kate and her other senior peers who can not only shape the standards, but also police them when people start to test those boundaries. After winning in Rio and 13 years as the GB and England captain, Kate confirmed her retirement from international hockey after the Rio Olympic Games. Her and her wife, Helen, who was also a key player in that golden era, got married, and they've more recently celebrated their arrival of their first child, and I'm sure they're going to go on to have incredible careers in coaching, keynote speaking and the media. On top of their stellar performances on the pitch, their openness about their personal lives has also given so many people from the LGBTQ community more inspirational role models to follow. Yeah, I think Helen and I have been open about our relationship and uh, sometimes a little bit strange to us because for us it's just normal life and sometimes we were like, why is everybody so interested in this? Um, and certainly when we went to the Rio Olympic Games, you know, we'd be training for our first game uh, and there'd be a press call there and we'd get called over for interviews 
we thought we were going to get Ash, you know, how you think you're going to do in your first game against Australia. You know, what, what do you hope the team are going to do in this tournament? Do you hope you're going to stand on the podium? And, uh, and actually, we got asked by every journalist about our relationship. And we are totally happy to talk about it. But at the same time, it's a bit strange that we are still talking about it in a way. Um, but we think it's important just to live our lives the way that we do. I think we're comfortable with who we are. I think it's important to talk about it. I certainly am happy to talk about it in schools. I've had some brilliant Q&As in schools where they can just ask whatever they want because no question is a silly question. And for lots of people, I'll be the first LGBTQ person that they meet. And, and it's important that I'm speaking and I'm a role model for that community and helping somebody inevitably in that room be comfortable in their skin. And we have had so many amazing letters, messages from young people and old people, older people saying, you've helped me come out to my family, you've helped me come out to my friends, you've helped me find a place where I belong. And, you know, if we help one person be happy with who they are, then I think it's, it's enough of a reason for us to talk about our relationship. Well, I've got so much respect for Kate and Helen. And if you've enjoyed hearing Kate's story, you should definitely read their book. It's called Winning Together. I'll add a link into the show notes. I'm hugely appreciative for both Kate and Helen sharing their story in our digital platform. And I'll also create an episode of the podcast with some of Helen's insights and content too, because I know you'll love that. Kate shared some brilliant strategies here about being more resilient handling setbacks and going on to back your strengths in turbulent times, as well as the key strategies for bringing teams with diverse backgrounds together around a shared set of values and goals to think and respond instinctively together. These are all great reminders for us and for our team. So I really hope you'll share this episode with your family and social and professional networks. And if you're listening for the first time to this podcast, Remember to click subscribe so that you get future episodes of the show as soon as they're released. Remember, if you have any questions or need any support for your business, then drop me a quick email through to hello at sportingedge.com. I'd love to help. Thanks for listening on your commute, run or dog walk. And until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Mind of Champions. Connect with Jeremy's LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram links in today's show notes to receive the latest insights from his work. If you'd like to get access to Sporting Edge's digital library or book Jeremy for a conference speech or webinar, then please visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com.